0: The three points. Manchester City is still alive here. Baratelli! Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! See, walk away your life if that turns you wild. It's all in a moment. Look away in the sky. It's about time that your mind took a holiday.
1: Okay, everybody, welcome to episode 56 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast, and uh, since we saw you last time, there have been three wins for City in very different circumstances, 3-1 win against Crystal Palace, 4-3 win against Tottenham, and 1-0 against Tottenham, and this is the one that we're going to be focused on. So I've got two guests, and you can pretty much guess who they're going to be, the same ones as uh, usual. And the first one is uh, City Matters committee member and King of the Kipax writer Colin Savage. Colin, how are you doing? Uh, good evening. Yeah, I mean today helped me recover from um, Wednesday. Really, it was a good, a um, good day, and we're still on track. And we I'm also we also have the man, the legend, that is Ray from Man City Fan TV. How are you doing, Ray?
2: Oh, uh, Mike, uh, I'm very good, thank you. Uh, uh, as uh, same as Colin, really. Um, far better today than uh, Wednesday evening and I've got to say I mean sadly the listeners can't see this but Colin is wearing a fantastic uh a third kit um, shirt I'm
3: not sure um, if was a third or an away kit from it's, about tw- it's the white
2: one with the red
3: and bl- the umbro white yeah. one with the red and black sash, diagonal sash it's
2: fantastic
3: lovely kit. And
1: lovely shirt quite Love a few it.
2: people said they, they hope they bring uh, this kit back uh, for, uh, with Puma it would be absolutely fantastic
1: Guys, if you could see them, they're both actually wearing exactly the same shirt. I guess quite a quite a sight for uh, for my eyes here at five o'clock in the morning in uh, South Korea. I've just returned from the city uh, live event in Seoul, where several hundred uh, young Korean city supporters uh, get together to uh, watch the game. Atmosphere a little bit subdued after, uh, I guess the 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 two legged uh, Champions League loss against Spurs. But they were very much buoyed by the fact that we got our revenge in uh, in this game. But uh, let's start off with this game. And it was a, 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 a tense 1-0 victory uh, over uh, Tottenham with uh, a goal on five minutes from one of our own, Phil Foden. And I'm just going to ask the guys what their overall impression of the match was. And we'll start off with, with Colin. How did you feel about it? Well, I was a bit worried that it would be everything would be a bit flat after
3: Wednesday, and, and it was quite funny because um, when I went to uh, into the car park on Wednesday, um, it was about uh, half an hour before kickoff, half seven, something like that, and uh, the car park was absolutely jam-packed, just about got a space. When I went in today about the same time, so it was about 12 o'clock, it was almost empty, so I was kind of a bit worried that, that no one would turn up, but needn't have worried because... Um, the, the ground was full and the atmosphere was almost as good as it was on Wednesday. I mean, Wednesday was fantastic, but the atmosphere today was absolutely superb. And, uh, of course, we, 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 we um, got the best possible start as we did again on Wednesday. Um, and it just had to be Phil Foden, didn't it? Um, I mean, the game itself, uh, we started fantastically. We started like we had a score to settle, which we did, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we had a go, but Spurs are a very, um, obdurate team, really. I mean, I, 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 kind of got to quite respect Pochettino over the course of these three games because I think he's, uh, a much, um, well, a m- much better tactical manager than, than perhaps we've given him credit for before. Uh, and he was able to adjust Spurs, Spurs lineup. And, and they certainly didn't have the A team out today. It was quite, um, uh, almost felt a little bit like a, you know, a, 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 reserve team, the sort of team you put out for a, a League Cup game, for example. Um, you know, Gazaniga replacing Larissa Nets, I believe was injured and, uh, you know, one or two other players, Eric Geyer. Um, so, so, but Spurs actually managed the game quite well, that they, they set up very well defensively. And, and this is a, a kind of a point I, I made after the, Um, the Champions League game in that Guardiola is probably a better better manager than Pochettino in many ways, but there are four phases to any game in this classic tactical analysis. Obviously, there's attack and defence, and then there's a transition from attack to defence and from defence to attack. Now, in terms of the transition from defence to attack and the attack itself, Guardiola is peerless. There is no one like him. But but what kind of slightly worries me, uh, and it did slightly worry me again today, was that our transition from attack to defence and our defending is not as good as it could be, in my view. And I think this is where Pochettino scores over uh, Pep, but overall is not probably not as good a manager. But he manages those tactical transitions very, very well. And once we'd gone that goal up, Spurs um, managed the game. We had chances, but I thought, you've got to give some credit to Spurs. They managed the game very well, and they could have got something out of it, except for the fact that Edison actually remembered why he's here um earlier rather than Wednesday when he seemed to have his mind somewhere else once or twice so um i've got a lot of respect for Pochettino after today's game i mean probably could have been it could have been more than 1-0 it could have been worse than 1-0 but but yeah, as we keep saying at this at this stage of the season the results matter not the performances
1: that's an well, it that wasn't, was yeah. a very interesting take on things. Um, how would you respond to that, Ray? Well, Colin used my
2: uh, pinch my word. I was ready to say obdurate, and he got it in there first. <laughs> um, well, my, my feeling was the atmosphere uh, was good again, uh, very good, especially whilst uh, we took that early lead. Uh, and Tottenham's game plan was quite straightforward; it's quite simple. It was to defend uh, pretty much and hit us on the break. And, uh, that they did. Um, I mean, Son min um, he was wonderful again. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. His pace, his directness. He had a bit of luck from time to time. He was unlucky, uh, with some of the uh, Edison saves. He caused us, um, no end of problems. Yeah. And I've got to say, you know, um, I think the, uh, before the game, we had the, uh, shortlist of six for the player of the season. Uh, I, I think he's at the PFA one and there's, there's a few of these different uh, awards uh, knocking about. And astonishingly, uh, Son, I meaning, you know, was not on the shortlist of six. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked because he's had a, I think he's had a fantastic season. You know, uh, when Kane's not been around, Son has been driving the team forward. He's been scoring goals. He's been setting up goals. He's been dangerous. And watching him today, you know, many a City fan uh, that, that we spoke to at uh, the game today you know, they sneakily say, I wish we had him because he offers as he offers Spurs, sorry. Um, as I said, that pace, that directness, stamina, he never gives up. He's, he feels like he's the kind of player that Pet would want because he, he's a workhorse as well. Um, but he's got a lot of skill. So that was the way Tottenham was set up and, and they did have, um, quite a few chances. And, and, and to be honest, I think, um, they had the better chances, especially in the first half. Um, And we were, you know, I think I said, I was chatting with Colin a few days ago and I said, the one thing about City is going forwards, we're great. We're set up for going forwards. But our defenders are not always, we're not always set up to defend. And when we have that transition, we're not the best at defending. Um, because Kyle Walker is one of the best right backs going forwards and, and getting back. And if he did, but if he didn't have the pace, He'd never be, uh, get anywhere near the city team. This is pace that saves him, um, because he's not the best overall defensively. And same on the left, whether we play Ben Mendy or Zinchenko or Delph when he's played. They're not the best at defending, um, but they're generally very good, especially Zinchenko and Mendy going the other way. And that's what we're focused on. So we're always going to give up chances. Every, just about every single game we play, it doesn't matter who we're playing, we'll give up a chance or two and usually a very good chance because Because we're going forwards, um, we're quite open at the back and teams can get something like a 2-1-2 or even a 2-1-1 on occasion. And those are very, very good chances. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, as Colin has said, it's the result that matters uh, more than anything else. And we don't care if we're lucky, we play brilliant or not. If we play brilliant and win by two or three goals, at least uh, it uh, saves our nerves and um, rests our beating heart. because. You know the last twenty minutes or so of that game, for me anyway, it was very tense, very nervous. Um, I was tempted just to close with my ears and hope for the best, and um, you know get to the end of the game. The last few minutes, it's very, very tough sometimes to watch. Uh, but that's the beauty of football—you just don't know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, uh, Colin, I've got my my own little pet theory about this. When you're um, set up to play as Pep does, it's based around not having to defend. Of course, it's keeping the ball away from the opposition, and consequently. You don't get a lot of practice defending over the course of a season. The guys that are um, employed to do that job do not get a lot of practice at it. And so, um, obviously, in in key moments, uh, things can go wrong. Let's have a look at the lineup, guys. So start off with Ederson and then Walker, Stones, Laporte, Zinchenko makes a return. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne was on for all of 38 minutes before he was replaced by Fernandinho. We'll come on to that. Uh, Gundawan Foden gets his first start, uh, relieved uh, five minutes uh, from the end by David Silva, Bernardo Silva, of course, uh, Aguero, uh, who was replaced by Leroy Sané on 66 minutes, and uh, Raheem Sterling. Now, that very, very troubling uh, moment on the 38th minute, uh, Colin, Kevin De Bruyne coming off, what do you think happened there? Um, Having looked at it again, he seemed to
3: kind of... When he went, uh, couldn't understand what had happened because when he he just played the ball out straight out and I thought, what the hell is he doing? Then he went down uh, and obviously Fernandinho came on and uh, someone uh, sat near me said, Fernandinho had been ready for a while. So Kevin had obviously felt something. um, Whether it was wise for him to carry on, if if that was the case, I'm not sure. But uh, watching the incident that seemed to cause it, his foot seemed to come down quite heavily and maybe he twisted his knee. He was certainly complaining about his knee. Uh, and the um, medical team were looking, were, were kind of rubbing his knee, though that would make it any better. Um, <laughs> but uh, there was talk of a hamstring, talk of a twisted knee. Um, yeah, so it, it, it wasn't the thing we really needed with a Derby coming up. But but you know we we have got um, we have got replacements, so um, we're not far off at the end of the season now. So hopefully we can get Kev right for next season properly, but. Uh, whether it's a major thing that will keep him out now for the rest of the season, uh, whether it's just a minor thing he he Mister miss the derby, he'll be back for Burnley. Um, we, we don't really know at, yeah. at the moment, do we? But well, we, have, we have managed. If we do win the league, we'll pretty well run it without him most mm-hmm.
2: of the season. So, so, well, he, he'd, he'd have played, I think, so far Kev's featured in fewer than half of the games this season. And, and some of them have just been bit-part uh, appearances. Yeah. Um, apparently, Pep, I saw this on Twitter, apparently after the game, he said um, Kevin's suffered a muscle injury, which, okay, it, it could have done his hamstring or something. Um, and they've not uh, obviously had enough time to assess it, so they have no idea when he'll be back. Uh, but he indicated that he'd miss at least one game. So he, he's not going to be ready uh, for the for the derby. And we, like Colin said, we've just got to hope that he's 100% for next season. It may be that it's just a minor thing. like We've had this a few times where, Players, if they feel just a little twinge, Aguero's done this where he's just uh, come off and it looks quite innocuous. He misses a game or two and then he's back. So I'm hopeful that it's not um, as serious and as uh, season-ending as it looked. I'm hopeful that maybe he'll be back for Burnley, or if not Burnley, at least the last two games of the season. Yeah. Um, whether, like Colin said, whether he is or he isn't, you know, we've got able um, deputies we saw with Fordham today you know, um, we've got David Silva, Gundogan can can move up if Fernandinho plays uh, in defensive midfield, and we've got Bernardo Silva. So we've got three or four people we can call on. Um, so yes, Kevin has looked one of the top three um, players in the world, albeit only over the last two games. But he he looked back, he looked on um, on the top of his game. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that it's just one or two games he's out and he's back for us for the final two. Yeah.
3: He's had just checked the stats actually. He's had 11 out of 34 Premier League starts now. Cool. Uh, but our record, our record with him over all games is slightly better, it's only very slightly better than it is without him. So, you know, it's not um it's not a killer basically. Yeah. But obviously we'd like him back because the form he has shown in the last uh three games has been the Kevin De Bruyne that we know. Mm. And it just makes such a difference.
1: Uh one person who probably, well, po- very possibly, could play in the Derby is uh, a certain young nineteen-year-old who got. Um, I think that is his fir- Was that his first Premier League start in this game? And um, Ray assess him um, his uh, his uh, overall contribution to the game, and also talk his talk us through his goal on on five minutes.
2: Well, his contribution, obviously, he scored uh, the winning goal. Um, so that's the, on, on, on bare facts, that's a major contribution. But he always looked busy. Uh, and this is the thing I like about Foden. He always looks busy. He always wants the ball. Um, you feel he's getting more into Pep's way of playing because I think earlier in the season and last season when he, when he got a few minutes here and there, he always, you felt sometimes he tried to do too much because he could do it or he felt he could do it. Um, whereas now i don't think his um initial reaction is to try and do t- uh, try and take on too much he does he plays a lot more simple balls the way city um attacking midfielders do wh- whether it's back to a defender or out wide to Sani or sterling or whoever's on the um, on the wing um he's you know he's he's determined he probably works harder than some of the other attacking midfielders you know, purely because of his age and his tenacity and his desire, he looks faster than David Silver and he's going to work harder, I think. Uh, I'm
3: faster that. than David Silver. Sorry? I'm faster than David no, Silver. Faster than David <laughs> Silver, did
2: you <laughs> say? Faster or faster? Faster. <laughs> yeah, well, both. No, David Silver works hard. I'll give him credit, but Fordham's yeah. faster. He's got more stamina. You know, there's a 14-year uh, a age difference uh, between the two of them. Um, I think that makes a difference in in midfield. And when you've got Fordiner and Bernardo Silva uh, buzzing around like flies in in midfield, it's going to cause a lot of trouble to the opposition and it's going to help in the transition when we defend him. His goal, uh, if if I'm right, was Bernardo Silva, as he he usually does, He he was on the right-hand side. He 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 feigned to go right, but at least 95% of the time, he doesn't go on the outside. He cuts back onto his left foot, similar to uh But, you know, Bernardo delivers a lot more. And he put it across to the far post to Aguero, um, who uh, unselfishly, uh, quite surprised me actually, he headed it across goal rather than try to um, score from a difficult angle and off balance and Foden basically just had to dive and just get his head on the ball because the keeper was nowhere near. And obviously, you can see the sheer joy uh, on his face as he scored Aguero as well. There's one interesting moment. As soon as Bernardo crossed the ball to Aguero, Bernardo took, a, it seemed to me, a little jump in the air because he knew, you know, what that situation was. He, 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 it's like he could see what Aguero was going to do, about to do, and he could see this the sequence of uh, the events that were to follow because he was almost celebrating as he play, uh, played the ball to Aguero. Um And he's just like, uh, he's just like being able to see into the future. It was uh, amazing pieces, uh, you know, foresight and to know what was going to happen. Uh, but, and you know, it was a great goal for, uh, from Phil. Um, I think he had a, an- another couple of shots and I think he's not scared to shoot as well, whether it's outside <laughs> the ball with his right, with his left. Uh, I think as Colin has said in the past, we uh, haven't had too many people who are willing to take shots from outside the box. And it's a shame Kevin's been injured because he is one. Uh, But I think Fordham will take shots on. Um, And yeah, he, he brings that energy, that youthful energy to the team. And funny thing is, he was taken off five minutes before the end, whatever the injury time was. But he still ran the most, I, I believe, of anybody on the pitch, which is just shy of twelve kilometres. So he managed to do that, playing about eight to nine minutes less, um, fewer minutes than, than some of the others. So you, you know he put in a shift, and I think I said on Twitter as well, you know he's going to play a lot more games next season.
1: Yeah, he made a very telling contribution. Another very telling contribution to this performance. Was our young Brazilian in goal, Ederson, uh, Colin, how did you feel about him and and what he did for us?
0: Yeah,
3: well, of course, as I said earlier, there was a lot of criticism directed against him on Wednesday. uh, People who felt he could have done better in um, the second goal, certainly. uh, No, sorry, the first first goal that that went in, um, he he sort of got his foot to. And it's a sort of say that David. we we kind of mocked David De Gea a, a little bit. But it's a sort of save he makes routinely, where, you know, he can save the ball with his feet. And Edison, I think, could have probably done a bit better on Wednesday with that one. Well, he probably could have done a bit better with the goal from the... Uh, Llorente's goal from the corner. Uh, but today, he reminded us why we paid so much money for him. Because not only was his distribution uh, excellent as ever, but he was actually saving um, shots that that, that Son might have scored on Wednesday. So, um... Yeah, he was the goalkeeper. He was the thirty million pound keeper today. I think mm-hmm. So, very good set. Although there was one, there was one incident uh, <clears throat> quite late in the second half where uh, there was a bit of hesitation at the back, and and the ball looked as though it was his, and um, he he kind of stood rooted to the spot. And, and I think Stones and Laporte were also looking at the ball. And Spurs, the Spurs player managed to get nearly get through and get, to get the spurred. ball.
2: Sorry? It was Lucas Mora. Mora,
3: yeah. And uh, that was the only, I think that was the only downside of his performance today. But overall,
1: a very, very good performance.
3: And I've seen some people talk about him as man of the match. So,
1: yeah. Yes, and uh, Ray, this game uh, saw the return of Zinchenko, who uh, a lot of people thought had put in a few man of the match uh, performances himself uh, not so long ago. How did you feel that he came back into the team and how do you feel that he did for us?
2: Well, yeah, you're you're right, Mike. He put in a, a couple of Herculean performances uh, before he was uh, out injured. Nice work. No, <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. And um, a lot of City fans would have much obviously preferred him to Fabian Delft in the first leg in the Champions League. And probably uh, right now, I, I, I put him above Mendy. Now, whether Mendy has issues with his knee, because that's I think what. Uh, Pep had said that Mendy's knee swells a bit after um, a game, so it's, it's going to be hard for him to play two games in the three or four days. But I would actually place uh, Zinchenko for his uh, overall performances at a higher level uh, and a preferred option to me than Ben Mendy right now. Obviously, that's a bit cruel on Mendy because he's has a lot of game time to, to get going. But, you know, it's um, it's whoever's got uh, in possession of the shirt, to be honest. And mm-hmm. Zinchenko had that. overall. He's let us down a couple of times. But overall, over the season, I was about to say he's not let us down, but um, he's, he's generally been very, very good um, this season. Um, so, yeah, it's great to see him back. Um, and I think he put another decent performance in today. In a You know, we weren't overall the best. He could have done better, but it's his first game back in, what, two weeks or something. Um, so I think he'll just keep on improving. And I hope he gets back to more of the attacking um, prowess he showed earlier in the season.
3: Uh, I'll give you a stat, actually, talking about Zinchenko. Just checking. I don't know if it's accurate or not. But uh, in the games he's in the games he started, we have not lost a single
2: one. Yeah. well.
3: Wow. And the games he hasn't started, we've lost six out of... Uh,
1: six 56. Out of
2: 28, 34. All
1: wow. Right, bit, of, bit of a lucky charm there. Uh, Colin, oh, a lot of Spurs... Fans howling for a penalty in an incident involving uh, Kyle Walker. What were, what were your views on that? You seem to be laughing at that suggestion.
3: <laughs> they can piss off, can't they? <laughs> <laughs> know,
1: after Wednesday. <laughs> Graciously put, Colin. Very gracious. Uh, <laughs> what, what did you think of that incident with uh, Kyle Walker?
3: Well, well I didn't. Uh, Fully enough, but, um, it was right in front of me at the time, uh, I think. And it didn't look anything at all. Uh, I been seen the replays, um, yeah, it does. I, I wasn't, I wasn't at all sure it didn't touch Ali's hand at arm at first. But under the current interpretation of the law, that, that Walker's got his hands by his side, Ali's knocked the ball onto him, and it's about interpretation. Was Walker moving his arm towards the ball? Was he making himself big? I don't think he was. I think that's one of the few decisions the referee actually got right this uh, uh,
1: earlier. Um, he didn't get uh, many right, did he? My <laughs> well, Michael, referee. Michael Oliver wasn't giving us a thing in this game, was he? No, no, no. So, but I think
3: I think that's still classy. I think next season that might have classed as a penalty, um, but this season it's it looked to me like it was still unintentional and therefore not a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, we've got our own claims. The penalties which were not given, so the, the trip by Betongan on, on Bernardo Silva, and there was one in the second half. What it looked from where I was down the other end of the ground like a push on Sterling,
2: it, I, it certainly did.
3: And um, Michael Oliver gave Spurs a free kick a bit later on, just not very long later on, for a very similar push in the middle of the field, but he didn't. Um, now, I've spoken to people who sat near with that and said. He seemed to go down a little bit early. I've not seen it properly yet, so I don't really know. But, um, um, you know, they're not getting that hum. No, as I say, I perhaps phrased it slightly ine- inelegantly, but they aren't getting that handball after Wednesday, that's for sure. Because <laughs> it, it, it was a very similar circumstance, wasn't yeah. it? The, the ball went onto the, uh, was a slightly similar circumstance. The ball went onto his arm. His arm was down by his side. And, and I think reluctantly, um, well, certainly from the angles I saw on Wednesday, again, uh, Laurenti's handball would probably have been classed as unintentional. Yeah. I don't know, mm-hmm. but, but, but
2: yes, yeah, it's it kind of it, from next season. Sorry, Colin, they'll be um, classed as handball because they will it be, yeah, they will because be. It, he's yeah. gained an advantage, and you can argue that Kyle Walker gained an advantage by using by it accidentally hitting his hand. Well, but then again. Have, Go ahead. Yeah, go on, go on, go on, go on. Well, later on, Batongan, uh, uh, Aldeguerel used take himself so when he, i uh, yeah. had a shot. It ricocheted. He had no idea where it was. He put his hand down basically to stop himself falling on his ass, and inadvertently his hand knocked the ball away. Now that was an accident. It wasn't deliberate. He had no idea where he was and where the ball was. But well, next season would that? You can argue he's gaining an advantage because yeah. you know yeah. he's knocking the ball to safety. It's gonna. Yeah. Open up a huge can of worms. This uh, this law change and it's going to open up a lot more um, uh, penalties. I think there's going to be there's got to be a, a lot more penalties next season unless the referees sadly end up turning a blind eye like they did to this um, tugging of the shirt and pushing and pulling in co- uh, corners. And it, you know, for the first couple of weeks, we saw a, a, a spate of penalties. I think Mike Dean was one who gave a couple of penalties for very minor offences. I think two yeah. in City. And then after that, they seem to forget about it, and we went back to business as usual. It's going to be very interesting with VAR next season as well, because it's all these tug backs in the box. I mean, I'm just waiting for games to last 120 minutes. With uh, <laughs> you know, with these changes in the rules to handball, you love calling. But if they actually yeah. give us, you know, if you have three V A R calls in a half, well, hey, you're right. Yeah, yeah, You're looking at six to eight six minutes of added on time there on its own. Add a couple of injuries, you look to 10 minute and 20. You know, you know, we're gonna have um, um, uh, eight o'clock kickoffs that are finishing at quarter past ten. It's gonna be even more. You know, it's gonna be uh, there's gonna be plenty of grounds that'll be uh, where the fans have filed out twenty minutes early just to get the trains and coaches and whatever. And we're still going through some VARs,
3: guys. Raise rent, <coughs> raise rent for this podcast. <laughs> I, I just want to pick up on that. Actually, I was laughing because I think we'd all, I think we all agree. think we're talking about this at the game earlier. I think we'd all agree that. You, you shouldn't be allowed to score a ball with your hand. Well, you shouldn't be allowed. You're not allowed to do it intentionally, but you shouldn't be allowed to score unintentionally either. I think that's a sensible rule change because if you if your hand can't be off your hand or your arm can't be offside, and the rationale is it can't be offside because it's not a part of the body you can use to score a goal with, then you shouldn't be allowed to score a goal. Yeah, exactly. intentionally. But it's this it's this defensive situation that is going to cause potentially a lot of problems. So, yeah. Um, interesting, talking about VAR, I just heard earlier that apparently um, th- there won't be any pitch side monitors in the Premier yes. League next season. So, everything will depend on the guys
2: looking at the screens, and the and referee will have no input. And the guys looking at the screens are championship referees. So, you're not getting premiership referees doing your VAR, you're getting five championship referees, apparently, are going to be doing the VAR. So,
0: you know, yeah, we well, haven't so- got
2: the best referees as it is. Did we God, have no. zero representatives at the World Cup? Michael Oliver's supposed to be the best referee we've got, and he was absolute pants today. And so the best referee we've got is not that good, and he's a top Premier League referee. And then we're going down the pyramid to championship referees to do uh, VAR. It's just yeah. asking for trouble.
3: And I think that um, my view has been, and it, and it was last season when we saw the trial, uh, and, and you know, got my temporal hat on here. Well, virtual temporal hat on. But I do not think that uh, Mike Riley and his referees or, or the Premier League want VAR. I agree. They do not want it, and they are doing their best to make it as
2: difficult as possible to introduce oh, oh. and use.
3: Well, and what's th- going to happen?
0: Is
2: it, I, I suspect if we get a lot of cock-ups next season, um, you know, then clubs and fans are going to be annoyed. If we're, like I said, if we're having ten or fifteen minutes additional uh, play at the end of a half because of v- uh, VAR, uh, and, we, and we're still getting incorrect decisions, then surely the clamor is going to be to put up uh, a stop on VAR uh, until it's sorted out. But to be honest, I think once it's introduced, it's a step forward. You're not going to go backwards. It's like when we stopped goalies rolling the ball around and in their own box and passing it out to defenders and you know and then passing it back and all that, and now we give them six seconds and there's no back passes allowed and whatever, that's a step forward and we're never going to go back, so I think once VAR is there, whatever um, you know, the uh, professional uh, or PG Mall, whatever it's called um, the professional referee's body, whatever they want, I think it's going to be irrelevant, and however much they want to scupper uh, VAR, I think it's just going to be implemented, and they're just going to have to work with it and get it right, and I think I also did a, a, a tweet, I think, today and said they need somebody independent, an organization to come in and look at the systems that they're employing. Cause I have no idea who, who's come up with the VAR protocol. And I think it's people within the game. You know how? Um, I mean, they've got experience of the game, but how qualified are they to look at protocols of a system? Obviously, I push for a systems-based uh, auditor to do this. Uh, I'll hold my hand up and say I used to be one of them. <laughs> look at the weaknesses in the system you don't have to be an expert of the system to be able to see the uh, look at, and find the weaknesses and look for improvements and sometimes if you're too close to it you might not see the weaknesses and you 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 know and, and know what to improve upon so I don't know who's doing you know how they're implementing VAR across the board it's not there and it's going to take uh, three or four years I think they can do it quicker I think they can get to a high level, much quicker if they had some outside brains rather than rely on their own. I think they're wonderful.
1: Well, guys, at the risk of uh, re-stimulating my my trauma from um, Wednesday night, I do feel we need to talk about it a little. We haven't talked about it on the pod Wednesday night. Um, Over the two legs, Colin, did we deserve to go through? No,
3: I don't think we did because uh, for two main reasons. One is I don't think we were brave enough uh, in the first leg and the second reason being you can't give away three goals at home in the quarterfinals of the Champions League and expect to deserve to go through. Now, um, Pep talks about I've been thinking quite a lot about this um, over the last few days obviously and and Pep talks about sticking to his principles and, and, and there was all the, you know, the fuss in his first season about Pep's got to be more pragmatic and he's got to adapt more to the Premier League and, and I think he has done that to a degree. But, but he has stuck to his principles of playing, uh, possession, one touch, um, attractive foot, attacking football. I, I, but I think in the, um, and he did, I think we had the conversation before, he did that in Monaco, uh, in the game of Monaco, uh, and we were miles open, you know, um, so, so I think he tried a completely different approach when we went to Anfield. But I think it was, there's a difference between being pragmatic and there's a difference between, uh, Compromising your principles to a significant degree, and I think at Anfield, and I think at um, White Hart, the new Whiteheart Lane, he compromised his principles to a significant degree um, because he, he, I think he tried to set the team up in a way which was com- which was pretty alien to the way they were a, a, a Pep Guardiola team would normally play. So, so trying to be ultra defensive, um, and we were saying before that the defensive side of his game. Uh, it's not one he focuses on. He's, he's no, he's no Roberto Mancini. and I think Pochettino is probably a better manager from that point of view alone. He's setting up a team defensively. Um, although probably not, not a better manager overall. So, so I think the problem was at Anfield last season and, and at Y Lane this season it was that the team was playing a, a very different style to the one it's used to. Now we know Pep makes. Tactical changes throughout a game, and, and that's fine, because you have to adapt uh, to what's going on around you. If uh, things aren't going well for you. So that, that's fine. Making tactical changes within the overall principle of what he tries to do, that that's what I would expect him to do. But I think he went too far in, in both the away legs of the quarterfinals. I think he went too far, uh, moved too far away from his principles, um because we shouldn't have had I think we said this up in the first place, we shouldn't have had anything to fear particularly from Spurs who are um, that's not disrespecting spurs they are a very as they've shown us they're a very very good team who can adapt tactically very very well but um you know we we if, if it'd gone slightly less far in 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 moving the team to a completely different what I saw as a completely different tactical. System, then we you know we might have done a bit better in that game. Um, And again, at at home we made perhaps we were unlucky. I mean, obviously two very serious mistakes by um, Emmerich Laporte. Uh, But Spurs, you know, they still had to be capitalised on. Uh, And as we saw today, again we made Spurs today only got the ball. Vast majority of the time, they only got the ball from. Uh, our mistakes So when we gave them the, the ball back They were able to set up attacks They weren't creating a huge amount They weren't winning it back And creating a huge <laughs> amount themselves And I think um we were a bit lucky today Because as you said earlier Edison had a wonderful game uh, And Laporte actually uh, atoned Partly for, for for Wednesday By one uh, great tackle that mm-hmm. it was needed in the uh, second half So um I think that I don't know, um, it was a combination of mistakes, which you can't make at that level, but I still think, and it goes back to this defensive thing, I still think we're a little too naive defensively, uh, again, we're saying this at the game today, I don't think we're, we're quite good enough to win the Champions League, I, I'm sorry if that upsets anyone, but we have to be better defensively, and we aren't.
2: Yeah, I mean, to add to that, I mean... What I would suggest is, over the two legs, we were the better team. But oddly, we didn't deserve to win, for the reasons Colin's given. Uh It sounds perverse. How can the better team not deserve to win? But you let three goals in at home, you're asking for trouble. Um, you don't go out to win a game when you're away or to really go for it. You know, do you deserve, you might be the better team, but do you deserve from that set um, to to win, win the game? Um, and as, as, Colin has said, and we discussed it before, it was far too defensive in that first game. Um, I think we were, we were hurt by losing Bernardo, because I think Bernardo would have made a huge difference to our midfield. He would have given us the option, um, he, if he'd played instead of Mares, for argument's sake, or he'd played instead of Gundogan, for argument's sake, I think that would have made a big difference to our, uh, attack. But we were far too defensive with, um, Delft, and Doan and Mares. that's an ultra defensive lineup. Um and I think I said before we just needed one more attacking player to give us more of a threat uh, and that's what we've relied on I mean we've only let in 22 league goals this season and that's because we have the ball so much and we're threatening the other team with our attacking player so much that we can as Colin said get away with that. Some naive and poor defending, or the, the, the capability of naive and uh, poor defending, because we're on the front foot so much and the other teams are on the back foot. And they end up with so many men behind the ball that their forwards are isolated and they can't uh, transition very well. So that first leg really, really cost us, you know. And many people have asked us that what we do in our live uh, streams and, and uh, matches, do you know, they've asked Andy especially, do you think we'll win the quad? And um, we've always said no. We've always said, and what we think would let us down will be the Champions League because the margins are so fine. Um, and it's a knockout competition, albeit over two legs. The margins are really fine. And I'll, I'll still maintain that if Sergio Aguero scored his penalty, that was tie over because I couldn't see Spurs easily getting a, a win out of that game if we'd scored and we're winning 1-0. And even if we'd lost 2-1, I think we'd have come back. And we'd have felt a lot more positive at home. And Spurs would have been worried because they knew you we score one, it's one nil and they could go out an away goal. So we had that away goal opportunity. Whereas if we'd scored at their place. And so that's having that away goal can change your mindset quite a lot. Um, but as I said, we didn't deserve to win. Uh, and it was a real, it's a funny one. It's, It's a kick in the teeth and a pat on the back at the same time because we were awesome on Wednesday going forwards. We were. Um, And we could have scored a lot more goals than we did. Lloris made an absolutely world-class save, um, pushing uh, Kevin De Bruyne a shot wide when, for all world, it it looked like it was going to go in and stay in. Um, Spurs had a few chances. They had a bit of luck. Whether VAR was right or wrong or, or whatever at the end, for um, for for Laurenti's um, what proved to be the winner overall, they had too many easy chances, and and that's uh, you know obviously a disappointment. And you do get people who come out and say we should have spent <laughs> ninety million for Van Dijk; he'd have made the difference. Who knows?
1: Um, uh, Colin, that was a, a real uh, killer blow at the end. All of us were jumping around Raheem's winning goal, only for it to be. Stolen away from us. That was just absolutely heartbreaking, wasn't it?
3: It was, yeah. Um, but uh, on the, yeah, at least we know how United fans felt in two thousand and twelve. <laughs> uh, and funny, someone someone was telling me the story today that a United fan, oh uh, no, a City fan watched it, watched that two thousand and twelve game in a United pub, and when the whistle blew uh, in the at Sunderland. United fans did a conga outside. By the time they got back, we'd won the title. <laughs>
2: oh, did you did you see that that fella, the um, city fan who was interviewed uh, on TV, and uh, they asked him how he felt. He, he was pretty pleased because we'd uh, we'd won. Who said? And they said no. Uh, it was ruled out for our side. So the the guy had seen the ball go in. I, I, I don't know how he did it. I don't understand this how it must have happened. The ball's gone in, and did he leg it out of the stadium straight away as soon as the ball hit the back of the net? Um, did not bother to cheer or anything? Because he was outside the stadium, uh, and, and, and they had VAR. So they had to tell him. I mean, it's, it's that, that video's been watched probably yeah. in the millions of times that I actually mean, City lost.
3: It, we, um, I watched that back, uh, and obviously, you um, didn't notice at the time. We just thought it was a goal. But having watched it back, there's a couple of things. Um, one is, obviously, it's the last couple of minutes of the game. Uh, we've attacked, the attack's broken down, and I think Aguero and Sterling were ahead of the Spurs defence. So they were both in offside positions. Um, I think it was Bernardo won the ball a bit further up the field, and Sterling sees it and races back. Aguero was strolling. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, as much as we love Sergio, um, he wasn't busting a gut to get back, despite the fact we'd won the ball. Now, whether he... Th- I know he's got this thing about standing offside and waiting till the defence catches him up, but but it's not a game... That's a game of rushing roulette, and it's not a game you should have been playing. If he'd run back, if he'd kind of made any attempt to get back quicker, he would have been half a yard onside. And, it, you know... I, if I was well, Pep, I'd, ta- I'd be taking him aside and saying, look, Sergio, you know, you're the greatest goal scorer Manchester City's ever seen. You're one of the great players of world football. But, you you know, you can't be strolling around in the last two minutes of a game where we need the goal. And he uh, was a bit unlucky, really, because, well, uh, um obviously, Eriksen played that back pass. Uh, sorry, it wasn't an interception, was it? But uh, it was intercepted. And then I think uh, Eriksen got the ball, tried to play it back. And Bernardo Silva kind of stuck out a leg. Now, if he hadn't stuck out a leg, that ball probably wouldn't have gone to Aguero. Because it was very wide of him, I think. But he still should have been back in position, knowing the situation. I I am a little bit annoyed with him about that. I I didn't really take it in at the time. But having watched the the goal again just before we came on air, um, I I realised he was just walking back. Yeah. I think you've got to do a little bit more. it I like, you know it's a long game, tired, and it could have all turned out different, completely differently. But it's that half a yard that he he was um, that he could have made up that did make the difference.
1: Uh, there's something else though, uh, guys, uh, I thought I thought four two was a was a, a reasonable uh, reflection of that game, and uh, it's the L- Urente thing that got me. Because you saw the referee watching it backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards on the screen, and then the referee turns around, comes signalling a goal, comes out, and the referee is uh, patting his thigh to indicate to everyone that the ball had been in off uh, Laurenti's uh, off off his his thigh, but it clearly uh, struck his hand first. Does that not count for anything that it struck uh, his I hand? Bet.
0: Well, I think,
3: uh, sorry, uh, to go back to the point we were making earlier, was it intentional? It doesn't matter. It um, doesn't matter under these rules. It, it does. It does matter. under Well, is a question of whether UEFA have adopted the new ruling. But, you know, the, the IFAB ruling does not come into place until next season when that could have been uh, disallowed. Because it wasn't his hand that really made the material difference to that. And this is where I, I'm, I'm kind of more relaxed about that incident than perhaps others are. Because his hand didn't make a huge amount of difference, um, you know. It, it's his tie that deflected the ball and put it into the net. Uh, if, if it had come off his arm, then I think you would have would have had a much better case. Uh, and the thing is, was it a clear and obvious error, which you, which your VAR was supposed to correct? And to me, the referees given the goal, it wasn't a clear and obvious. I, I don't think you can argue it was clear and obvious. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but the, uh, about that goal, uh, obviously Spurs had got there was. Um, we were doing very well at that point. Yeah. We, we had before 2 we had the pressure on. We looked more likely to get a fifth goal than they did a third. Yeah. And um, at, at, the, um, at that point, Fernandinho would come on. Now, I'm not saying this kind of changed the game yeah. or anything, but we, we were in a great rhythm at that point. Yeah. Gunderman was on fire. Uh, you know, we were pouring forward. And then there was an incident, and I can't remember. I'll have to try and find a full replay of the game. But there was an incident where we turned the ball over. And it's a bit like what we were saying earlier about today's game. Spurs only got stuff that we gave them. And it was a bit like that. And it allowed them to pick up the rhythm of the game. And from there, I think they scored that third goal from there. that we, again, made a mistake. that turned the ball over when we were pretty much in control. And I can't remember what the mistake was. And, and and that allowed Spurs back into the game. If, if Matt, we'd... You know, if whoever it was hadn't made that slight mistake and given them that chance to build up some rhythm, we would have probably won that game. Was it,
2: sorry, Colin, was it when Fernandinho did a sliding tackle, got the ball, and the referee gave a free kick against him, and he yeah. looked absolutely shocked? No,
3: I don't think huh? it was. I think it was a mistake in open play. OK. I can't remember. I so say, I must try and find a full... Um, it's all small it, 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 th- it, it is,
0: yeah, saw.
3: it is. But, but the whole... And I said to uh, the guy was I was with the competition on uh, Wednesday last Wednesday night 19th, uh, the man city show um sat with one of the um, regulars on there who'd actually traveled up with Nigel Rothman from London. and uh, I said to I said to Paul at that point, the rhythm of this game has changed. the momentum's changed. It's in their. the ball's in their court now. But from that one incident, whatever it was, it might have been the free kick. might have been a mistake, I don't know. The Spurs won the corner. And Edison, I think, flapped it. <coughs> you know, he didn't have the best game on Wednesday night. He flapped at that ball coming in. He wasn't quite, again, wasn't quite brave enough. And he was the one who put it out for the second corner. You know, so if he gets a good punch on that, he catches it. Well, he was, was under pressure. Again, they don't get that second corner. So, it's, again, it, it just reinforces what Ray said. It, at that level, it's fine margins.
2: What, what actually got me was... I mean, the referee went to look at the replays, and you know, he's been whispered that VAR says uh, look out for a handball here, and the and the three angles the referee gets, he think he's probably thinking, what the hell are they asking me to have a look at this for? Because yeah. you know, the angles they offered him, it looked like there was absolutely nothing wrong, and it's come off his hip, and that's what he was kind of indicating, and you move on. And there were two angles that showed it. Actually, did brush his arm or his hit near his elbow or whatever before it hit the rest of his his leg or his hip or whatever. The referee didn't get those uh, those viewpoints, but the producer of, or whoever with BT or whoever the outside party, third party that's producing the the uh, the film uh, the coverage, they showed those shots on TV very quickly, but the referee didn't get the. Advantage of seeing the best shots possible from the best angles. And it's ridiculous. And there's been talked that he only got three angles when at the ground they have 22 cameras and he only got three angles to, to view. Yes, there has to be a limit, but on really, really important decisions that, that can obviously throw the direction of a tie and the face of a tie, you'd like them to get it right. And yes, he, the referee could have watched it from every angle and said, I don't think it made a material difference. I don't think it's a clear and obvious error. It's still a goal, but you'd want him to watch it from the best possible angles to make that, that call. And then you'd accept it a lot easier. I mean, you know, you, you you've got to, um, you've got to accept it anyway because it's done and dusted. It's in the, it's in the record books now. We've got to move on. And, you know, talking about today again, I'm glad we've moved on. I'm glad we've got the victory. It's hard fought victory. Uh, and hopefully that you know will set us in very good stead um, for the the derby match where United are uh, unbelievable. They're heavy, heavy, heavily at odds against winning that game. Uh, they're at home. They're the home team in match. Not, not in
3: my lifetime, I believe someone once said about that situation. Ooh. I can't remember
1: who it was. Uh, well, guys, we will get on to uh, we will get on to a little uh, look forward to the derby. Just let's go back a little bit further, very, very briefly. Uh, Colin, the game against Crystal Palace didn't really um, didn't really warrant all of that worry and all of that uh, tension that uh, that people gave it, did it? Well, we are city fans, so we worry about everything, <laughs> of course. Uh, but no, it was
3: a very straightforward win in the end. Um, um, uh, you know, there is always the there's always the worry as they did at the Etihad that they get a goal back and and uh uh they come back into it, but we res- we responded straight away. And and Rahim Sterling, uh, um, after having I think a bit of a poor few weeks, he's not been at the standard that w- we've seen, uh, has really come has really come back with his uh you know fire in his belly. Uh, and that game certainly showed it, didn't it? It
1: did indeed, uh, Ray. I tell you something that's got me a little bit worried, and uh, you're going to laugh at me uh, because of this. But um, the BBC uh, on their website, they have a, a little gossip um, section, uh, yes. and uh, in that, it said uh, ju- I read just before coming on uh, this morning or this evening uh, on both sides of uh, the uh, of the the sides of the world that we're that we're on, but it said that. Um, Gabriel Jesus and Leroy Sane are two of up to eight City players who want to leave, who have told Pep they want to leave Manchester City this summer. What do you think about that? Um, Generally, I, I think
2: that's a that's poppycock. Um, I think um, if you look, some stats been out, um, Andy talks about it, I mean, he knows them off the back of his head, um, that something like 92% of transfer rumours don't come to fruition. Now um, that's in, in, in the general overall media. Now, yes, some some deals where they say it's going to happen, it might fall down for whatever reason. You don't know it's falling down for whatever reason, and you can just sometimes think it, they just made it up. But I I honestly believe at least fifty percent of the stuff that comes out in the media is just made up garbage. Um, and all that happens is they might get two out of ten right. And they'll go on about it for weeks and months. We told you first, and all that. Um, and and turn around and you know say that they're wonderful, um, they got wonderful knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes. Where, yes, sometimes it's just guesswork. I mean, I, I saw something a few months ago now. Um, I can't remember the, the actual paper, it was Express or something, can't remember. And they were talking about Tom Glendon Bailey, and it was an exclusive. It was an exclusive. Uh, they come out with and they were talking about city were gonna go in for him and this is what it was going to cost them uh, and it, uh, and all that and I and I thought and I, I remember going on Twitter but I mean, not only your few thousand people follow me so it, you know it doesn't really spread around but I said some exclusive we did a video about this last week about Tom and because I had um, a, a friend of mine who's a scout uh, over in France he's a football scout and he you know Gives us some information from time to time, and we did a video on Tom Bailey and we told you told them how much it cost. So you know when they talk about exclusive, um, I'm not so sure it was. I'm not. I'm not saying that they watched our video and, and, and just copied it, but you know the, to to say that we were going to bid, we'd already bid for him. Apparently, we'd already bid for him the previous season, the previous summer for about fifty million or some forty oh, forty five million or something, David. and uh, Leon turned us down because he knew where. Uh, he was going the new way, his star was going, it was going to keep on rising, and they're going to probably get in 70-80 million this, this summer. So, these newspapers are putting out all these exclusive stories just to be the first one out there, and it's always, it's, obviously, it's never a name source, it's always rumours, or a respected source within the club, and these respected sources seem to sometimes know a, a hell of a lot of information, and then suddenly it doesn't come to fruition. So, you can't believe what you read in most of the papers. We've seen a lot of junk and it's therefore clickbait. You know, if, if people didn't buy the newspapers, if they didn't click on the, uh, online, uh, articles, if they didn't listen to talk sport and get so irate and call them in. I mean, in the last couple of weeks, I've heard these, um, Manchester City supporters come onto the radio after a game and they've got some weird, you know, thoughts that like someone wants pet to be fired, um, and it seems that these match-going fans, with with a very overly broad Manchester accent, um, it seems to have a, a very differing opinion to the masses of normal match-going fans that we speak to, that we know, that we you know we play football with, private side or go to work with, and these fans that ring up Talksport—I'm just using that as an example because there's been a couple in the last week—they they're very contrary. It's a very differing opinion, and suddenly you get. Proper city fans who were too weak to say no, ringing up to get their point across to contradict what this so-called passionate city fan uh, has said. So it's ridiculous. It's a lot. It's just made up. Don't want to believe it. Yes, I can understand. Going back to your point, I'm sorry that was about ten minutes ago, but I can understand that um some players are not happy that they're not first choice, and they might not be first choice for a couple of seasons. And I can uh, understand why Gundon's unhappy because Fernandinho's first choice, and next season, Fernandinho still will be first choice, and next season, we'll, we'll have another defensive midfielder who we've probably paid £50 million quid for, We might be ahead of Gundogan, and yes, we might get some more attacking midfielders, and yes, Phil Fordham will be playing more time, and Gundogan could see himself uh, on the sidelines even more often, so you can understand why some players might want to move on. For eight, eight of the first-team squad, that's one. That's basically one third of your players are asking to leave.
0: Yeah, I,
1: don't I know. I, I know you were you were you were kind of like hinting almost that there were uh, plants. Uh, people planted uh, to phone up, uh, a talk sport. But it is yes. it is quite funny in that defensive uh, midfield midfield slot. For example, we have been linked with Ruben Neves. We've been linked with Declan Rice. We've <laughs> been linked with Indomble. We've been linked with um, Rodri apparently. Uh, sorry, who was that one, Ray? Sal Niguez from Atletico. Uh, Niguez, from yes,
2: Atletico.
1: We've uh, been linked with Rodri. Rodri Atletico. is the is the latest uh, the latest one in, in such a long line. So obviously, of course, uh, there's a great uh, enormous pinch of, of salt, but, but uh, they, all be right. they they can't all be right. It's the law of non contradiction, guys. Um, also. Um, yeah, just going back to one point you made, Ray. Uh, I, I like to listen to the transfer window podcast, but uh, something you said just made me um, made me laugh a little bit. It was like um, the two other guys, Ian McGarry and uh, uh, Johnny McFarlane, uh, congratulating Duncan Castles on, <laughs> on 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 a bit of uh, transfer news that uh, he got right. But I can think of at least five or six because they 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 do a speculation every show. On who's going, whether well, five or six that didn't pan out, that they just conveniently don't mention, that yeah. they choose they choose to lionize Duncan for 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 this one thing that he's got right. It's like if, they might as well say, Duncan, did you see a bear
2: shit in the woods? Wow, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> fantastic foresight. <laughs> it's, it's, well, I think I will say the BBC apparently have the best record um, when they put out the transfer rumors of their own because they've got to have. I think two sources now. So they've got to be really, really short. Sure. And I think from the stats, was it David Arnstein Arnstein, uh, who's a big Arsenal, um, I think he's an Arsenal fan or he knows a lot of people at Arsenal. He gives, last time I knew a year or two ago, he, his, um, predictions come true the most often because he's got an in, an inside line basically at Arsenal. So, you know, I, would I'd, I'd rather trust the, uh, the BBC. I used to trust The broadsheets a little bit more uh, years ago. Um, Red Tops are never trusted, but even now, the broadsheets, they're at it as well. It's all clickbait. uh, uh, Click online, you know, watch our, uh, go on our website, watch our videos, and uh, watch our adverts. So now, yes, the the problem is we always want to know what's going on or want to feel what we, we are finding out what's going on. And even though I know 90% is is, is, is rubbish. I'm mm-hmm. still going to log on tomorrow onto the BBC's uh, gossip pages and have a look to see what might happen.
1: <laughs> well, guys, well, let, let's um, put that one to bed and let's look forward to the game against Manchester United. Now, guys, of course, we are far better than them. But then, of course, we were better than Tottenham. But um, United are absolutely crap, it seems. But then again, but then again it is United it is on their ground. It is a derby and they need to get fourth place. So um is there there, there is a chance isn't there that, j- that just like last year um despite us going on a you know a goal spree in the first half they could come back and make it difficult for us. What how do you how do you see the the way this one's going to go Colin? Uh, well, derbies are derbies, aren't they? So uh, form tends to go out the window.
3: But I think in this situation, form uh, is a big factor because there's no doubt we have been the better team uh, for, for quite a few seasons now. But obviously we have suffered a few um, uh, results that we shouldn't have done. Obviously, the most obvious one is the home derby of last season where we were 2-0 up, should have increased to the title and lost uh, 3-2. So you've always got to be wary of that. Um, effect of not being uh, n- not wanting to be humiliated by your rivals um, but I'm just looking at um, the games we've played and the last one we've lost in the Premier League was uh, the end of the 2014-15 season so that would have been Pellegrini's second season uh, and we lost that game 4-2 against United um, against United at Old Trafford mhm mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, we've got quite a good record there, uh, really. And, of course, we we know what's required now. Uh, We know that regardless of who we're playing, we need the three points. Uh, And getting those three points uh, gives us... um, keeps the title in our hands. So, yeah, so um, we're we're going there. I think we're we're playing... uh, We've had we had this little blip, whatever you want to call it, where perhaps our performances have not been up to the standard we'd expect. I think Crystal Palace started to put that right a bit where the performance was. And particularly uh, David Silver, who uh, had a couple of really good assists um, in that Crystal Palace game. Uh, uh, it would have been nice to have Kevin De Bruyne because he loves his games against United. Sergio um, certainly loves them as well. So, uh, I think there's that extra edge from our point of view going into that game, but we know we need the three points to keep the title race in our hands. Uh, and, and having got today out, though, obviously <coughs> anything can happen in any game, but today's game, Spurs and United are probably our two toughest opponents on paper because they're obviously um, top six teams. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but anything could happen in any game. So I think we're going in in a good place. I think we're, we're, we're start, starting to see a little bit, a city that's a little bit fired up. Uh, I think we see United, Ole's at the wheel, but some of the wheels have come off. Um, uh, and things don't look right there at all at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going into this as well placed as we could. You, but, share, you share that optimism, uh,
1: Ray, for the well, the derby?
2: Look, we're miles better than United. Um, There's no question about it. Uh, The league table shows that uh, currently we're 22 points better than them. If they win their game in hand, it'll be 19. I think it's very interesting. You've got to look at the league table and look where United are. They're out of the Champions League, so they they can only um, get in the Champions League again, obviously, by finishing in the top four. Now, they've got uh, played 33 games and got 64 points. Chelsea above them 66 from 34. Arsenal, 66 from 33. And Spurs have got 67 from 34. And I think you've also got to look at the games that are to be played before United play City. Now, United play Everton tomorrow. And if they can manage a win against Everton, they bang up there with 67, um, albeit their goal difference is worse, currently 10 worse than Spurs. Um, And then Arsenal got Palace. You'd probably think Arsenal will win that against Palace. Um, to go above Spurs. Um, United would then be fifth. Chelsea gets Burnley on Monday. And then Spurs are going to play again. And I think this is important as well. Spurs are going to play Brighton on Tuesday before the derby. So United will have a better idea uh, where they are in the league after that because uh, if Spurs, you know, obviously it's ish, but and maybes right now. Because this talk about the weekend this talk about the the game on Sunday, uh, the 28th. Uh, we're Burnley at uh, five past two. The, apparently, the big game that day is Man United versus Chelsea. And this talk that United might, if they beat Everton, they'll consider resting some players. Because as far as they're concerned, their top four decider game will be against Chelsea. Um uh, you know, and it probably will be, by that stage, that Chelsea game, there will be two games left after that, and they could be pulling away from them. So, there's lots of things to consider, but as I, as Colin has said, and as I've said, we're a far better team than United. Form, people, it, it's just, it's a cliche, as far as I'm concerned, when they say form goes out of the window. Because when we were rubbish enough for all those years, and um, when we played derbies, I tell you what, I bet you our record wasn't good. Throughout the eighties and nineties, in when we played derbies overall, um, and and the last ten years, our record has been pretty good because overall we're a, we're a better, much better team. So I'm not going there worried. Uh, obviously, anything can still happen. Uh, we we saw that last season at, at our place, but you've got to be confident enough that. Um, we should be able to come away with three points mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: Colin I, I think Ray's, Ray's made a good point actually it's more important for them to beat Chelsea than it is to beat us so obviously they want to win both games mm-hmm. but um, uh, the, the other bits of the equation obviously United played at Everton tomorrow Chelsea are playing Crystal Palace at home Arsenal are playing Crystal Arsenal. Palace at home and Chelsea are playing Burnley at home on Monday so if United drop any points and both Chelsea and Arsenal win the um, d- d- United have got a game in hand over Chelsea, but if Chelsea win on Monday United draw, Chelsea have got a five-point gap over United, even with that game in hand. If Arsenal win a United uh, draw, Arsenal have got, the, on the same same games, they will have a five-point gap. Again, yeah. a five-point gap. So um,
2: United would need to win yeah. against us. So, what you're telling me, Colin, tomorrow you're cheering for United to beat Everton. Is that what you're saying?
3: No. <laughs> Certainly not. Um, but, but it's a very, it, 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 I think that was a very good point you made that, uh, them beating their game against Chelsea is more important to them because that's a chance yeah. to make up points on the top four rival because, uh, Chelsea have still got two chances to get into the Champions League by the Europa League or finishing fourth. Arsenal have still got two chances to get into Europa League, uh, uh, no. get into the Champions League by the same route. Um, knock them out. And, and so Tottenham um, So actually it, and We were talking about this today If if one of Chelsea or Arsenal Wins the Europa League They go into the Champions League If Spurs or Liverpool Or Liverpool, God forbid Win the Champions League um, Let's say Spurs they, they automatically go into the Champions League So um, you're only allowed five teams yeah. So the team that finishes in third place If they've not If that's United they they uh, so team fishing four place, oh. they could miss they could conceivably miss out on Champions League.
2: Yeah. but I think that's another so obviously you've
3: got in. to be looking at third if yeah. you've got no other route.
2: Yeah. So no, there's a lot to, to go I mean, we're we're talking about the derby initially, but I think these these games in between are really crucial. Um and what you don't want is united.
0: Well you
2: it could work both ways, you know. If I if, if I United don't beat Everton tomorrow and Arsenal, um, and Chelsea win and then Spurs beat Burnley at home on Tuesday. Um, United will feel they've got to beat City. They've got to, because if they're five points behind Arsenal, for instance, uh, currently they're two points. If the United lose tomorrow and Arsenal win, there'll be five points with four games to go. So they, they know they'd have to beat City. So that might make them even more open and that might make, give us an even better opportunity. Um, to give them a pasting. On the uh, other hand, if they Burnley beat... On,
3: sorry, Burnley on, it's Tottenham are playing
2: Brighton on Tuesday. Brighton, sorry. Tottenham. Chelsea
3: played. Chelsea playing Burnley on Monday. Sorry,
2: Chelsea, Burnley yeah. on Monday, Tottenham Brighton on Tuesday. If Tottenham win, United know then, we're, we're in sixth, we've got to beat City. That, as I said, might leave them uh, very, very open. But on the other hand, um, if um, United, if United beat Everton and Arsenal and Chelsea draw, for instance, then maybe United say... We're relying on that Chelsea game. Let's ha- let's um, rest some players, and the fans apparently would be happy to let City win to stop Liverpool winning the title. Well, I mean, it's so crazy.
3: Funny, funny enough, I was out uh family dinner last night, and um, two of the guy, or three of the people there, were big United fans, and I was talking to um, my my sister in law's brother uh, Richard, who's a season ticket holder. So yo, know, so it was a match going regular and. Um, he, he, he was saying, like Everton fans. He was saying, you'd better beat us because we yeah. don't want Liverpool to win the league. But we also had a, a more serious discussion about United. I asked him the question, who in that squad would you, uh, you know, we're talking about, uh, Oliver as manager. He doesn't think, the uh, that Solskjaer will get the money. He doesn't think the Glazers, um, trust him enough, but he doesn't think the money's going to be there because they don't think he's a manager who's going to necessarily win things. But so, I was saying something, you know, who in that squad would you would you build a... If, if you were given limitless money, who would you keep in that squad? And, and, and you're talking about maybe Lindelof. Well, you try and hang on to David De Gea. Uh, maybe Lindelof you can make something out of. Possibly Luke Shaw, I don't know. But most of that defence, you, you've got no first choice in that defence at the moment. But, you know, Ashley Young and Smalling and Jones. Um, you know, they, they're not top four players, let's be honest. Um, you look in the midfield, you've got Pogba, who, yeah, you, know, you you'd probably want to try and build a team around, but does he have the right attitude? Um, you, you, you've then got players like you know, Matic, who's getting on a bit, Mata, Herrera, who are bit part players. Um, and then you've got, he would say, Marshall is very lazy. You can see him going. Uh, Lukaku, maybe you could make something out of him, but to me, Lukaku is a player who belongs in that 7th to 10th team bracket. You know, Everton was his level, I think um so so you've got real big problems uh, in that squad so uh, you know i hope we can take advantage of it
1: and uh, one other small point uh, guys as we're uh, winding down um liverpool are playing against cardiff and cardiff have have, a, have had a, a little bit of a boon haven't they they've got the, they got three unexpected points and they um have a sniff of a chance of getting out of the the relegation zone and uh, You know, we we don't think that Liverpool will lose any more games, but um, that might be um, a little bit of a potential banana skin, do you think, Ray? Yeah, I mean, kind of, uh, you're right, they've had a good run of form. I think
2: it was, as far as I'm concerned, it was unfortunate for City, Sounds. this can sound a bit odd, that uh, Wolves didn't beat Brighton today uh, because Brighton were two points ahead of Cardiff, with a 12 gold better goal difference, pretty much three points. And now they're three points ahead. And Cardiff may look at the Liverpool game, there's only four games to go, as a game they have to win, or have to try to win, which might make them a bit more gung-ho and susceptible to Liverpool on the counter. Whereas, I think if Brighton had lost the day, and Cardiff could have said, look, we'll go for a draw against Liverpool, let's go for a nil-nil. shut up shot, take that point, we'll be one point behind Brighton, Uh, And and if we can win one more game than them uh, in the remainder of the season, then we'll be up. Uh, We'll stay up. Whereas now, Cardiff need two results more than Brighton. So, you know, Southampton could still be caught by uh, Cardiff if they win twice. Um, Burnley are pretty much, you'd argue, safe, eight points clear. So, you're looking at Brighton and Southampton and what's going to happen. Um, It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, But... Look, I, I said it before. I'm not going to look to rely on anybody uh, to help us. We've got to help ourselves.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you look at you look, Brighton, who are in a bit of free fall. As you look at the last five results and it's four four losses, and obviously they got a point today. Cardiff have won a couple in the last five. Southampton, um, you know, a bit hit and miss at the moment, doing okay. They will probably survive, but so, so Cardiff have got to be looking at, above them at Brighton and thinking, yeah, we've got to. Uh, We've got to go for it now. It could work in our favour because obviously the teams that seem to do well against Liverpool, certainly last season, are the ones that sat back and played on the break because Liverpool don't like having possession. But but um, uh, you know Cardiff have got something to play for, so yeah. Uh, you know, and it's not just something. It's not just like seventh place or something or a top four place. It's survival in the top flight. So that that and looking at a Brighton that appear to be in free fall, you know that's got me. Warnock has got to be winding them up for this game, but but yeah, Liverpool should win it. Um, but but you know, football's a funny old game, isn't it? As we say.
1: Well, guys, I think we're going to have to bring it in the uh, bring it to an end. So let's finish it on a positive note. It's in our hands, guys. It's in our hands. City have won their past ten leagues on the bounce. That's their longest streak uh, since uh, August and December uh, twenty seventeen. Um And uh, we've also won uh, 25 home games in all competitions this season. That is the most in a single campaign and the most by an English top flight club since United won 26 in 2010-2011. And uh, let's finish off with um, test Colin Savage again. Here we go. <laughs> now, here we go, Colin. Phil Foden became the third youngest City player to score in the Premier League after who? Two okay. other players. I'll give you one. Okay. I'll give you one. Daniel yeah. Sturridge. Daniel Sturridge is one. Ah yes. Yeah. And there's one more. A guy who may or may not still be playing—I don't know—he's been his. Um, Michael Richards. That's the one. Finally, we got there in oh, the end.
0: Oh, yeah, Michael know, Richards. Well,
2: his,
3: game, his game was in the FA. was in the FA Cup. Did he also score in the Premier League? Yeah, but
2: he was only 18 or 19 in the FA Cup, or 17 or whatever. And it wasn't long after that that he scored in the league.
1: Right. Mm. Mm. So there you are, guys. I think we'll—I uh, think we've talked everything to death as far as we can. Um, so we'll finish off and uh, and say uh, cheerio for now and thank you to our two guests uh, first of all we have Man City Fan TV Ray Ray thank you so much for your contributions
2: as always Mike it's a pleasure to uh, be involved with you uh, on this podcast and with Colin as well
1: and you just named him um, we also had Colin Savage you've been listening to Colin Savage Colin thank you so much for coming on it's a pleasure. Can I, can I say, I'm still really impressed by the quality of those questions
3: we got from your um, fellow fans in South Korea and the flash
1: pod. Yes, that, really fl- that, that flash pod will be back up uh, soon, guys. A few technical issues, a few uh, little uh, pieces of editing that need to be done, but we'll get that up and then um, let you have a listen to that, providing that you can. Uh, you <laughs> A lot of it concerned uh, the game against Tottenham, uh, of course. Uh, on Wednesday you might not want to go down that particular mental alley mm-hmm. alley again but if you if you do then you'll um you'll be able to uh, uh, listen to that as as soon as it becomes available but for now guys we'll just uh, finish off and say as we always do have one on us and up the blues
0: City is still alive here. It's Aguero! I swear you will never see anything like this ever again! See, walk away life if that turns you around. It's all in a moment, look away in the sky. It's about time that your mind took a holiday.